Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. Oh my gosh, what a week, what a week, what a week. I don't even know where to start. I know that I would never be able to tell you everything that has happened this week, and I've got a lot of ground to cover, so we'll see how it goes. But suffice to say that I have been all over Italy this week. And for those of you who are new listeners, you may not realize that Grape Encounters is coming to you from the Abruzzo region of Italy. I love that word, Abruzzo. Uh, If you wonder where that's at, it is on the east side of the country and literally directly across from Rome. And it's about midway down uh, between north and south. It's uh, on the Adriatic Sea, which is uh, quite beautiful. There's a lot of resorts, but it's not nearly as populated as other parts of Italy. And it's also a region that is not as well known. And I did that for a reason. I wanted to take you on an adventure for an extended period of time. And we've been broadcasting from California for 15 years now. And so I think that the perspective that I have offered you is stilted somewhat because uh, our classroom, as I like to call it, was always the wine countries of California, and things are different there than they are here and all over the European continent. So this hopefully will be interesting to you. Uh, we travel the world regularly. The past two years, that's been disrupted by COVID, so at the first opportunity to be able to hit the road, I just said, you know what? Let's do something really, really crazy. Let's just pack up everything and let's go. And we'll base ourselves in Europe and that will be a great jumping off point to take you all over the world and to offer you a different perspective. So here we are. And it's been very fun, but not without its challenges. This part of Italy, uh, English is not very popular. Let's just say that. And so it's really hard to find many people who speak English. So I have hired Graziana. She is my professoressa. Uh, she is 24 years old and she's very competent in teaching me. Uh, Uh, Italian to people who speak English. So that's what I do six hours a week. And I, I must tell you, it's a very difficult language to learn, at least for me. But I'm doing my best and I'm starting to find my way, way around uh, much better now. So uh, 
I, I took off on a motor coach this week and I went to a very interesting, it was a gathering of winemakers who specialize in the Montepulciano wines, which are absolutely delicious. And I'm going to tell you something. If you are a Cabernet Sauvignon drinker, if you're a Merlot drinker, if you're a Petite Syrah drinker, uh, you will find Montepulciano wines. They're readily available at uh, larger wine shops. Buy one and enjoy it because it's going to be familiar in a lot of ways to you. But if you like the varietals that I just described, then I think you'll love Montepulciano. But this is the first thing that I want to talk about today is how things differ between the United States and not just uh, Italy, but most of the European countries that make wine. And here's the deal. If you go, for instance, to the Napa Valley or Sonoma or the Finger Lakes in New York, uh, any of the larger wine regions, we're talking Oregon and Washington. Heck, let's even add Canada uh, to the mix. The thing that is a point of pride in places like California is that in those regions, there are lots of different varietals that are grown there and lots of different wines that are made there. So you could go to some place like the Napa Valley and probably find dozens of different wines that are grown within a relatively small space. But when you come to Europe, it is often quite different. That's not to say that you won't find regions that produce uh, several different kinds of wine, but typically they like to specialize in certain varietals. And so here in the Abruzzo region, it is all about Montepulciano. Uh, there are, I would say, probably another four or five, maybe six other wines that are quite popular here. And then there's a lot of different smaller varietals. But by far and away, when you come here, it's going to be Montepulciano. And that's uh, the way it is. And so it's really cool because they really focus on one thing and have learned to do it quite well. So I went to this gathering of some of the top producers of Montepulciano. Uh, in a town called Teramo. And gosh, I I had a wonderful time and I tasted some amazing wines. And uh, of course, you know, if you go to France and you go to the Bordeaux region, you're going to find just a very limited uh, number of wines there. It's going to be the Bordeaux family of wines. So we're talking Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, Petit Verdot, uh, Malbec, and then some lesser known wines. But it's just a few. And then, of course, if you go to Burgundy, you're going to find Chardonnay and you're going to find Pinot Noir, but they don't call it Pinot Noir and they don't call it Chardonnay there. Look for red and white Burgundy and um, you'll be drinking the same thing as the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir that you're familiar with. But anyway, it, it is a, a very distinct difference. And I think if you are going to do any wine country traveling out of the United States, then you definitely want to choose regions that produce wines that you really love because it's not like going to Napa and Sonoma. You're going to see a heavy concentration of the wines that are indigenous to that area, so plan accordingly. I, I 
don't recommend wine lovers who don't like Pinot Noir going to Burgundy. It's just going to be uh, an unpleasant experience for you. Well, I, I guess unpleasant isn't the right description because it's a beautiful and wonderful place. It's just not going to have the wines there that you might love and adore. Uh, you know, the other region uh, that I should probably mention in France is the Rhone region because I love Rhone wines. And in the U.S., we call them Grenache and Syrah and Mouvedra. And uh, you may be familiar with uh, a blend, which is called a Chateauneuf du Pop, and you can find that readily in the United States. But it sounds very exotic, but it really just means a Rhone blend, typically with a heavy concentration of Grenache and Syrah in it. And Chateauneuf du Pop is absolutely lovely, and I recommend that if you if you like the Rhone varietals of Grenache and Syrah, then definitely try some Chateauneuf du Pop. And if you uh, really love those wines, then if you're planning a wine trip out of the country, then that would be a very good place for you to go. But the, the, the whole point of my telling you this is that uh, around the rest of the world, unlike California, wine regions tend to specialize a lot more than we do in the United States. And so just bear that in mind, because that can either be a negative or it can be a real plus. Uh, I love going uh, to the Bordeaux region because I love Bordeaux wines. So anyway, something to think about. Now, uh, we're going to take a break in just a minute, but I do want to talk to you today about wine travel because there's obviously a, a huge factor that comes into play. I know so many of you have been waiting literally two years to get on a plane and shake off COVID and take a really special trip someplace. The events that are going on in the Ukraine are just horrifying. And a lot of people have decided not to travel because of that. I completely understand that. I want to bring you up to date in just uh, a moment uh, about how that impacts or could impact your travel plans. And of course, there is nothing more important than the liberation of the Ukrainian people in, in my mind. I don't want to get too political, but that obviously should be everybody's first priority is ending that absolutely terrible war there. But uh, if you are planning on traveling, then I'm, I'm going to give you some information that I think you will find useful, including giving you my assessment of what it's going to cost you to travel to various wine countries around the world. So we'll talk about that in just a second. We're going to take a break here. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We'll be right back. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure. Those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine 
Walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com. Eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Look, I I know that there's absolutely no disputing the fact that most of us are at a point where we're ready to explode. I'm very fortunate because I've been able to relocate Grape Encounters to Italy. And the reason that I've done that is because normally we take the show on the road for much of the year. We take you all around the world. But for two years, I've been a prisoner in California which isn't a bad place to be a prisoner at, but I was just going absolutely insane because so much of what we did with the program was by Zoom, and as good as Zoom is, it's just not the same as being able to stand in a certain place and use my best efforts to describe to you what I'm experiencing so that hopefully you'll be inspired to do exactly the same thing. And by the way, I want to say something about that so that you understand where I come from, where Grape Encounters is concerned. There are so many shows about food and wine and travel that I really feel missed the mark. And the reason they missed the mark is because it seems to me that the person hosting the show is saying, hey, look at me, look what I get to do. I don't want to share with you privileges that I might get because I'm a broadcaster. I want to share with you experiences that you can actually have. And what is very, very important to me is that you can also have that experience easily and affordably. So anything that I talk about, I think you can safely know that it's something that you can do and you don't have to have a ton of money in the bank to be able to do it. That's that's what we're all about here. Another thing that I want to say about this show is, yes, it's called Grape Encounters, and we've been doing it for 15 years. And yes, it is centered on wine. But I really appreciate those of you who listen who are not wine drinkers. I get emails from time to time from people who say, hey, I'm a fan of your show, but I don't drink wine. But thank you for presenting information that's interesting and that I can use. And so one of the things that I'm going to be doing more and more and more is expanding the scope of the show to include more food, more about travel, more about culture and art and and just experiences that can make your life a lot more interesting and a lot more fun. And you might be surprised to hear what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. And that is that I see a time coming very soon when we perhaps phase out the Grape Encounters name completely. And that's something that's very difficult to do. And the last thing that I want to do is lose audience because they think that the show is not around anymore. But I really do want to expand the scope and I really do want to look at possibly acquiring a name that reflects the the broader scope of what we're doing. So I'm going to invite you to do something. If you have any ideas about how we might 
relabel ourselves, I'd love for you to send me your thoughts. And you can send it to david at grapeencounters.com. That's david at grapeencounters.com. Yeah, if you've got an idea, definitely, I would love to hear it. I'm going to be spending a lot of time this year going to the homes of winemakers and chefs and maybe even spending the night, getting up the next morning, making breakfast with the family, going out and collecting eggs in the chicken coop, you know, really getting down to real life in real places that are different and enchanting and exciting for you. So that's what you can expect as uh, we roll into spring and summer. But uh, let's talk about travel for you for a second, wine travel, especially food and wine travel, let's say, uh, because there are complications. And one very huge complication is the uh, terrible, terrible, vicious war that's going on in the Ukraine. Um, That's such a priority for all of us. It needs to be in our minds and in our hearts and anything that we can do to help. Uh, should be the first thing that's on anybody's mind, I think, right now, uh, because it's really horribly tragic. And I find myself uh, only a thousand miles or so away from what's going on. And I can tell you that here in Europe, people have connections to Ukraine. Most people do. They know somebody that lives there, they have family there, or perhaps they even come from there. So it's I think, even more on people's minds here than it is in other parts of of the world. Uh, One of the things that I had planned on doing, and it's been uh, one of my goals for a really long time, is to take you to some of the Eastern European countries that make absolutely fabulous wines that don't get much attention. Two places in particular that I am just enchanted with, and one of them is Georgia, not the state, but the country. And the other one is Moldova. And Moldova is uh, particularly interesting to me because they have their what I think is the largest network of underground wine caves in the world. At least it seems that it is. I tried to add it all up. I was looking at a map of these uh, caves and it's, you know, think of it like a grid of streets in a city. They're all interconnected. You can drive a car down there. There are amazing chambers down there where they have events and parties. And it's, it's astonishing to look at pictures of these salons because it almost looks like you're in the Vatican. They're so ornate and beautiful. But anyway, uh, if you add up how many miles of these uh, um, wine caves that exist, it's like, you know, 500 miles, perhaps. Just astonishing. But we won't be going there, obviously. It's very close to the Ukraine. Uh, Millions of refugees, of course, are pouring out of Ukraine and going to neighboring countries. And Moldova is one of those countries. And Georgia is one of those countries. One of the reasons that I wanted to go to Georgia is because they make fabulous wines there. But also, it's a very, very inexpensive place for you to travel to. And you can literally get a nice hotel room there or also in Moldova for, gosh, less than probably $40, sometimes less than $20. It's just astonishing how inexpensive... It is to travel in places like that. But see, we don't think about that because everybody's always talking about 
France and Italy and Spain and, you know, the what we call usual suspects. So there are all of these other wonderful places that you can go to very inexpensively, but they are not top of mind. But unfortunately, they will not be places that we will probably be able to visit this year. I don't know when the opportunity will come, but that's a region that you definitely need to stay away from. I've been trying very hard to keep my ear to the ground when it comes to European travel. And the last thing I would want you to do is to go any place that is even close to the conflict that's going on in Ukraine. But one of the things that I've been reading almost everywhere is that uh, there is anticipation that travel to all of Europe is going to be very, very low compared to what was expected, that uh, people are just going to stay away. And I think that presents an opportunity because there are lots of really cool places that you can go to that are just a very long ways away from anything that you should be fearful of. So uh, we'll talk about that in just a second, talk about also some other places uh, around the world that you might want to consider traveling to. And I want to give you uh, kind of an assessment of what it's going to cost to do that and why packing your bags right now might be a very good idea. So we'll talk about that next when we return with Grape Encounters. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wines O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or artisan spirit at Total Wine & More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the friendly smile of an expert guide, ready to help you find that perfect bottle. And the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. Explore the wondrous selection and totally low prices at TotalWine.com, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. B21. David Wilson here. You're listening to Grape Encounters Radio, coming to you from the Abruzzo region of Italy. We are on the east side of the country, about midway down between north and south. And we came here a month ago, and we're going to be here for a long time. And you're probably asking, well, why Italy? We were based for 15 years in California. And the reason is, is that I was caged for two years. I normally travel the world, and I take you along with me. But we were stuck, like everybody else, with COVID. And the minute that I saw an opportunity to get out, I thought, well, let's get out in a more permanent way just in case something happens. At least we can be based someplace where we can bring uh, you a broad range of experiences. And of course, Italy is just like in the center of things. We are surrounded by countries that produce amazing wine, uh, 
places where you can have tremendous culinary experiences and other kinds of adventures. So, you know, here we are. And while I wouldn't recommend, I think, for most people to do what I did, which is to sell another business, to give up my home, to sell my car, to sell most of my belongings and pack up everything else in a ocean-going shipping container, which, by the way, isn't coming here just yet because uh, we've got to, you know, deal with some details, but uh, that's later. But I wouldn't recommend that you do it, but what I would recommend is that you strongly consider traveling. Now, obviously, as we talked about earlier, there are parts of the world that you definitely need to avoid, but here's what I can tell you about travel right now because it's kind of interesting. Uh, First of all, there are all kinds of uh, companies out there that are constantly monitoring what consumers are doing and uh, there's a lot of study of the travel industry and it is very, very clear that the sentiment right now where consumers are concerned is that even though you've been chomping at the bit to travel, that a lot of people are going to just lay low right now. And I can certainly understand that because it's a very depressing time and there's a lot of sadness out there and a lot of concern. But there are also plenty of places that you can go to very, very safely. And right now, very inexpensively. And that's actually a big surprise because, you know, the fuel industry has been very adversely affected uh, because of the uh, terrible war that's going on in the Ukraine. And you would expect that uh, the impact that that has on uh, the airline industry would be very significant and that airlines would be jacking up their prices to very high levels. But that's not the case right now. Right now, airfare is really, really low. In fact, when I came uh, here to Italy, I think I paid, well, certainly under $600 for a round-trip ticket. And by the way, it's uh, it's cheaper to buy a round-trip ticket than it is a one-way ticket. Uh, so that's what I did, even though I'm not planning on coming back anytime soon. But uh, even though the fuel prices are skyrocketing right now, I guess the airlines have decided that it would be a bad idea to raise rates significantly because there are just a lot less people planning on traveling, so they're keeping the rates down pretty low. Now, here's what the airlines do. They have fuel reserves, and these fuel reserves are, I guess, pretty significant. And so they can live off of those reserves for a pretty long time, but when the reserves get low, then the prices uh, for airline travel just skyrocket. So right now, as we move into spring... We're looking at very low airfares to most of the places that you might want to go to if you want to have a wine uh, adventure. And so just to give you an idea, I I looked at uh, just sort of the average price over the next month to month and a half. Uh, let's talk Europe first. Uh, we're If you want to come to Rome, it's $620 for an average ticket. Now, when I say average... I mean average, which means also that you can find tickets for a a lot less money. I think you could probably easily find airfare for, you know, as low as uh, 500 bucks. But just bear in mind that you are going to get dinged on luggage and sometimes it ain't pretty. I've seen um, additional charges for luggage of up to $150. But um, you'll also find that if you use a lesser known, less popular airline, uh, sometimes they'll 
include one and even two bags uh, for the price of your ticket. So Rome, $620. Barcelona's $597. Vienna, uh, $591. If you want to go to Greece, it's quite a bit more. It's uh, $853 to go to Santorini. Um, But, uh, you know, generally speaking, almost anywhere uh, in Europe, you're looking at under, say, $650. A great place that I could recommend that you go to uh, is Lisbon in Portugal. Uh, You can fly into there for just about $600. And as I've mentioned several times on the show, uh, Portugal is just on fire where wine is concerned. I think that the wines in Portugal, even though the varietals are not going to be familiar to most people, they are very, very consistent with the American palate. I I think you can easily go to Portugal and be very, very, very happy uh, with the wines that you find there, but also the food there is just absolutely incredible. And I've had some of the best experiences uh, food-wise in Portugal. Uh, Seafood is a really big thing, and there are many restaurants there where you walk in and there'll be a case that has all kinds of different fish and shellfish and mussels and and all kinds of different things. And you just uh, point and you say, I want some of that and I want some of that and I want some of that. And then they just take it back and cook it for you. It's really a real fun adventure. And I guess they just charge you by the pound, I think is uh, the experience that I had, but it may be different now. It's been a while since I did that. So Portugal is a great place to have at the top of your list. But you know, there are two countries that I think offer among the very, very best wine adventures that you can possibly imagine. And that would be Australia and New Zealand. Australia and New Zealand. Now, these countries have been totally closed. You couldn't travel there if you, you know, you, you knew the person who runs the place. It's uh, It was just impossible. But right now, you can now travel to both Australia and New Zealand. And I checked the prices and you can actually get to either one of those countries for around $900. That may seem like a lot uh, to, to most people, but uh, just consider that it's normally at least probably 50% more to go there. So boy, I'll tell you, I would jump all over that and... Um, you can actually write me and I'd be happy to make some recommendations about where you might want to go. And there are lots of tour companies that you can check in with. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's a it's a great place for you to have a wine adventure. I should say they are great places to have a wonderful wine adventure. I want to tell you about another website that you should consider looking at and you pay a fee and I think it's about $45. I could be wrong, uh, but it's uh, called uh, Scott's Travel. And it's a really super interesting website because you can't actually book a ticket there, but every day they send you opportunities. They they monitor travel deals all over the world and they make recommendations constantly, sometimes multiple times in a day. And I'm going to tell you, the deals that they offer are absolutely extraordinary. And one of the things that they do is they look for mistakes in pricing by the airlines. And so there are times when they'll find a deal that might be just 25% or even less than that of of what it would normally cost to travel uh, to whatever place it is. And I just... 
I marvel at the things that they find there. So for 45 bucks, every day they can feed you ideas and then you find a great one, you jump on it. Uh, Usually they will tell you how long that deal will last. A lot of times it's just a matter of hours. So you've got to be prepared to get all over that deal. Uh, Sometimes it's 24 hours, sometimes it's a week. But uh, Scott's is just absolutely marvelous place to find uh, great travel opportunities. The other place I want to mention is South America and so many great wines from Argentina and Chile. It's a very reasonable place to travel to. There are so many adventures there, I can't begin to even tell you. The range of geography is simply amazing. It might be the most varied geography in the world. And you can find wines at very high elevations, wines at very low elevations. They're very different. The one thing that I always say about uh, Chile and Argentina is they offer the best wine deals, I think, on the planet. Never will you find better quality Quality at a lower price than those two countries. So uh, really, it, 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 if you want to have a wine adventure this year, I would suggest looking at uh, Chile and Argentina right now while the travel rates are particularly low. You won't be disappointed and you will probably come back and write me a thank you note. Uh, but that's not necessary. What is necessary is that we have to take a break right now and we're going to come back with uh, the home stretch of Grape Encounters Radio when we return. Something amazing happened to me the other day at Total Wine & More. I found my new favorite Cabernet Sauvignon at a totally low price. As soon as I picked it up, it felt like, aha, I knew it was the one. So go explore their wondrous selection and you'll feel it too. Because at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find. Download the Total Wine app or visit TotalWine.com. But please drink responsibly. Be 21. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, let's get off of travel for a bit and uh, talk about a very interesting story that uh, first appeared about a week ago, but now it's uh, really heating up. And it has to do with a connection between sports and wine. Now, I have talked about uh, athlete-owned wineries for many years now. Uh, Each year, the list gets longer and longer of sports sports legends who end up buying wineries. Uh, But there's a really interesting story that uh, hits close to home for me, and it's a connection between a legendary European football team, a winery owner, a Russian oligarch, and the terrible uh, crisis in the Ukraine. And so what is the common thread between all of those things? Well, let me tell you about this story, because as I said, it's super interesting and hits home for me. Uh, 
there is a man by the name of Hans-Jörg Weiss. He's a Swiss billionaire. He, by the way, donates amazing amounts of money to uh, environmental causes and other ways to make the world a better place. But he also happens to own a really excellent winery in the Paso Robles region of California. Uh, the winery is called Halter Ranch. It's about 1,200 acres, and I think about 200 of those 1,200 acres are planted right now in grapes. Now, you may recall that I am from the Paso Robles region. And this is actually one of my very favorite wineries. Now, they are not a small producer. They produce a fairly significant amount of wine. Some of that wine does wind up in supermarkets and is very affordable, but then a lot of their wines are just really beautiful, high-end wines that are just hard to beat. And I love the place. They have an amazing winemaker there. They have extraordinary wine caves there. The property is absolutely beautiful. Their commitment to quality is just uh, unequaled, I think. Um, and the wines, again, are, are, are fairly uh, affordable. But anyway, um, let's just talk about what's going on here for a second. The legend legendary European football club Chelsea uh, is owned by a Russian oligarch. That uh, Russian oligarch is Roman Abramovich, and this guy is like mega rich. He's a multi-billionaire, and anyway, uh, he owns the Chelsea club, and he has stepped down as a manager of the club, but the club's uh, future is really uncertain right now uh, because the UK is putting all kinds of sanctions on them, and as I understand it, they're not going to be able to sell tickets. Abramovich is diverse investing himself of all kinds of uh, assets. And uh, he says for the good of the club that he wants to sell the club. And that is where Hans-Jörg Weiss steps in, uh, again, the owner of Halter Ranch Winery in California in the Paso Robles region. Now, Weiss has a fortune of an estimated 5.2 billion euros. He made it manufacturing medical devices. And I don't think he's had any experience owning an NFL athletic team before, but he seems to be um, intent on buying Chelsea. And I guess the way he's going to do it is to team up with Todd Bowley, who is the co-owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team. Uh, Weiss uh, says that he's going to need something like five partners in order to buy the team. Uh, I think the team is actually losing money, but it's one of the most valuable uh, sports properties in the world for sure. So it's really super interesting. Um, and it's going to be interesting for the Halter Ranch Winery because, you know, they're not exactly a well-known winery, even though they do, as I said earlier, produce a lot of wine. But uh, I, I just uh, can't imagine how that connection to be paired with one of the most legendary teams in football, uh, how that's going to pan out. It seems like a really, really interesting marriage. Um, by the way, uh, I don't know how true this is. Is, but Abramovich, uh, who's really panicking to get rid of his assets because, you know, they've put all these sanctions on these Russian oligarchs, he claims that when he sells the team that the proceeds from the sale are going to go toward helping the victims of uh, the Ukrainian war. 
And gosh, I hope that is the case. I truly, truly hope that's the case. But we shall see how things pan out here in the very near future. You know, there's a lot of complications associated with this sale. The UK government is very much involved. Uh, there are going to be a lot of uh, hoops to jump through. But gosh, I hope this happens. I think it's a really cool connection. It'll be great for Halter Ranch. It'll be great for Paso Robles. Hopefully, it'll be great for these uh, poor, poor victims of this terrible crisis in the Ukraine. So let's keep our fingers crossed, shall we? Uh, we got to wrap it up here in just a second. But I, I did want to say that uh, here in Italy, there are a number of wine-related organizations that are doing all kinds of fundraising uh, for the victims of the Ukraine war. Uh, I'm actually uh, donating some wine to that cause. And I, uh, I just am so moved and touched by how many uh, businesses, organizations, individuals around the world are doing whatever they possibly can uh, to make a difference in uh, an event that should never have happened. So uh, let's all pitch in any way we can and uh, offer up as many prayers as we possibly can. This thing needs to end very, very soon. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, it's very strange to be uh, so nearby. And, you know, it's a thousand miles, but it's, it's, I think, a very different feeling to be on the same continent as... Um, as this terrible crisis than to be much further away. So I am um, getting a very, very um, different perspective and not one I wish I was getting at all. We are just going to have to save that for another day. I really appreciate you listening. And by the way, I would really, really appreciate it if you could do a couple of things for me. The first is to subscribe to the Grape Encounters podcast if you can. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and it's on actually most podcast sites. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can probably get the Grape Encounters podcast. That way you'll never miss an episode of the show. And then secondly, if you could just connect with me on social media, I would appreciate it so much. It's very, very helpful to the show. It helps keep the show on the air. There's also the Grape Encounters group page on Facebook. We're also on Instagram and Twitter, although we could do a better job on both of those platforms. I'm not going to lie about that, but we're working on it. We're definitely working on it. We will be back here next week, and I so appreciate you joining us this week. That's it for now. I hope that you have some amazing amazing grape encounters in the coming days. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour.